Hello and welcome to the Gritty Men Podcast. I'm John Riggs and I will be your host today. We here at the Gritty Men Podcast are here for the sole purpose to inspire and encourage and to equip God's men living God's way for God's glory in these incredible times. And so we want uh, to do our very best with God's help to come alongside you men and to help you as we focus on developing three primary areas of grit in our life. Areas of discipline, and we know that grit simply is endurance through adversity. And so we're going to work on three primary aspects uh, of life. Number one, we're gonna develop the discipline of grit uh, for our mind, for our body, and then also spiritually. And we know that these things are all tied together, and what we're really hoping to do just develop a community of like-minded brothers in Christ as we come together uh, to, to help one another and encourage one another along the way as we live out God's purpose for us in our life. Um, remember, we've been doing our, our memory verses. So our Bible verses are very important. Why? Because this is part of discipline. Um, and this is an area of the spiritual disciplines of our life, that we need to be memorizing God's word because it is truth. And we're living in a time of great deception, and, um, and we know that truth is very hard to come by today. And we know the Word of God is the source of all truth. Um, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so everything that we're learning through the Word of God is all by inspiration. It's all God's Word. And it has great profit and purpose for our lives as men and also as women, those of us who are love Christ. And so every week we've been memorizing uh, some verses to just put back in our mind and to have ready whenever we might need to use that um, for any kind of thing that may come our way, a temptation, discouragement, whatever it might be. Um, we can go straight to our memory bank and we can pull up verses that will help encourage us and will help sustain us and will help us to endeavor to persevere through whatever it might be. And so just remember that I want you guys, I'm doing this alongside with you. I simply write them on three by five cards like this and then I stick them on the dash of my pickup. Maybe I'll have two or three of them, however it is I'm memorizing them. And then I do a lot of driving also. I mean, I live a long ways from here, from where I work. Um, we live out in the country, so obviously I do a lot of driving, and I use that time to memorize Scripture. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And so by the end of the year, we should have 52 of these cards that we have memorized, and uh, that's going to include a lot of Scripture. So the one that I have for us for this week is in, re in relation to what we are studying. We're studying about a marriage that endures. Um, and we've been learning about this the last few weeks. So Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 25 through 27, is the verse that we're going to memorize this week. And it's important for us as men to understand what this means and how we apply it to our lives. Because guys, today, you are going to learn a very valuable key truth to help you have a marriage that is blessed by God, that brings blessing to you in your life as a married man, and as a father, but also um, it, it, it's going to give you a marriage and a family that will endure. It's going to endure. In fact, it's going to flourish, not just endure, it's going to flourish. Because we're going to follow God's steps and God's truth, and we're going to apply these things to our life. You don't want to go to the world to learn how you need to be a man. We want to go to the Word of God, the very Creator Himself, who created us in the image of God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit were created in their image and likeness. That's one God, three persons. In the likeness of God, we've been created. We've been given dominion. We've been given rule. All these things that God created us for. And so we're going to learn about what all this means. But we're focusing today on marriage and family. And we want to have families that endure, but that thrive in enduring. We, we want families and marriages that thrive. And the good news, guys, is this. You can have that. It's attainable because God designed it. And follow the instruction book on how to do this, and you'll be blessed by it. So here it is, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We're going to learn about this. And gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word. 
so that he might present her to himself in splendor without spot or blemish or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. We want to memorize this section of scripture. It's a reminder for us as we learn what God teaches us through his word on our responsibility before God as husbands. And there's something here in, in incredible that Paul is teaching us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn about this mystery, this profound mystery of marriage and its relation to Christ and the church, which is the bride of Christ. There is a spiritual truth and a physical reality here that is taught together in the picture of God's ordained marriage. God is incredible, as we're going to learn this together as God's men. And so hopefully you'll be greatly encouraged today. We have Valentine's coming up this next weekend, and I hope that this will be a great blessing to you men, no matter how old you are. Maybe you're single, you're not married. Uh, maybe you've gone through the pain of divorce, and um, you've come to faith in Christ, or you've gone through the tragedy of all that and have experienced the pain of it, um, but you're, you're wanting to follow the Word of God and be the man of God that God has called us to be as men that have been regenerated by by God's spirit through salvation, by faith in Christ. And we desire to have these families and marriages that endure. Guys, listen, we are going against a culture today that is like a tsunami pushing against you. And so we've got to be men that get this. We've got to have grit, endurance, but our grit is founded in God's word. And so um, hopefully this will be a great blessing to you as we move on in today's study. Okay, so a family that endures. Now, you'll remember this, the passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, um, Jesus here, of course, is speaking, and he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like this. Notice we'll be like this. If we, if we hear and read and do the word of God, there's a great benefit that comes with this. And he says, those who do this, that, that do the things that I tell them in the word, they will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That is a, that is a, that is a house, that is a family, that is a marriage that endures. Listen, guys, we know the rain's going to come, the wind's going to blow, the floods are going to come. We know that that's a reality of just the existence of life in this fallen world. But those of us who apply the truth of God's word to our lives by application, using the, the truth of God's word, it works. And when you apply it, you receive the blessing that follows obedience in the word of God. It works itself out in real time, in real place, in our lives. And we want to be men that build our lives upon the word of God, because we're like those who build upon the rock, which Christ is the rock. Here's the other type. These are those that are not building their, their lives on the word of God. They're not building their life upon Christ. They're usually a stat. They're a statistic. And this is what's going to happen, because the same thing in life is going to come their way. The wind's going to blow. The rains are going to come. The floods are going to show up, and it's going to beat against their house, their marriage, their family. And this is what it says for those who do not do this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so what we're going to talk about is a very foundational truth for those of us who are in Christ. This is foundational. We must build our lives upon Christ and upon his word. And so last week, we talked about the significance of headship, of headship. We learned um, of what, we, what we, we learned in 1 Corinthians, uh, which was a memory verse that we had, that the husband is the head of what? His wife. But Christ is the head of man, and God is the head of Christ. That there is an order of headship in function we operate within our marriages different. In essence, we're the same. Jesus Christ has a head. In his incarnation, the head of Christ is the Father. 
and Christ lived in perfect submission to the headship of the Father. He came and did what he saw the Father doing. He came and did what the Father and spoke what the Father said. He came not to do his will, but to do the will of him who sent him. Jesus Christ walked in obedience to the headship of which he was under, which was the Father. Now, in essence, Jesus Christ is God. Completely, totally, fully God. He is the incarnation, yes. He has flesh, he's fully man, but he's also fully God. And so, in essence, Jesus Christ is God. He, he, he's equal in, in all attributes of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But in function within the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit, they operate within that Godhead within specific functions of how they work within the Godhead. Same thing within marriage, as we're going to learn. A lot of guys, when they turn to this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, they only hear one part of this section of Scripture. And I hear guys, you know, they say this stuff like this. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And you hear a lot, of, a lot of guys barking out that, you know, my old lady, she needs to submit to me. And you hear all these things. Listen, here's a major, 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 major problem. What we're going to learn here and what's so significant in tying from last week's um, message about what headship is, this week we're going to look at what headship does. Headship, we understand that in essence the man and the woman are all created just alike in, in, in essence in equality before God. Now we know that man was created first, and from man God created a helpmeet, a completer. He created Eve, or the woman, from man, and the two of them now complete together in union, become one flesh, and we have life and so on and so forth that comes from that. But in essence, before God, there's neither Jude or Gentile or slave or free or male nor female. We're all equal before God in Christ Jesus. We know this to be true. There's not a level where man is better than woman or woman is better than man. Or, no, none of that stuff exists before Christ. It doesn't. We're all, co we're all equal. But in, in function, within the family... We have different roles of how we function within the, God, within the family unit. And the husband, he is the head of the wife. That is your rightful place, sir. But you must understand this. Before you ever can acknowledge and understand what it means to be head of your wife, you must first and foremost understand what it means to be under your head who is Christ Jesus. You are to walk in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your authority. He is to dictate and he is to lead your life. And we as the ones under the headship of Christ as men, we must walk in humility and in subjection to the headship of Christ. Before we're ever going to be men who can lead our wife and our children, we must be men that first are seeking and learning how we are to walk in subjection to the one in whom we will give an answer to and an account to, the one who is given authority over us, that is Jesus Christ. And so before you ever look at your wife and say, woman, you got to submit to me. Here's the question you need to ask. Don't even worry about that. Because ultimately, as a Christian woman, she's ultimately accountable before God also to her role in how she lives in submission to your authority. And she's to do it as if she's doing it unto the Lord. And the reason for that is because in Christian marriage, the husband should be living under subjection to the authority of Christ in his life. And as the wife walks in submission to the husband, if you follow the line straight up, it's in essence, she's also walking in obedience and subjection to Christ. And so the husband, listen, don't even worry about this aspect of your wife. You focus on what you're accountable to God for, and that is you are to walk underneath his authority in subjection to his word, to the leading of the spirit of God in your life, to obedience to the word of God, to walk in holiness, to live before God rightly before him, 
to love and pursue Christ. All of these things, we must do that. And if you guys, if you will do this, I promise you, your wife and your children will be extremely blessed. And you will not only have a marriage that endures, you will have a family that endures. And when the wind blows and the rain comes and the floods beat against this house called your life and this this garden aspect of what you have been given dominion and authority over, listen, it's going to come, but it will stand because you're building it upon the right foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That is the key element. And so what you must hear today is the foundation of this, guys, for our marriages, the number one key for you is you learn what it means to walk under the the authority and be in subjection to Jesus Christ, who is your head. You learn how to walk in obedience to him, to hear his voice, to seek after him, to have a heart like David that just had a heart for God. Because we must have this in our day and time. And so we've got to be these kinds of men. And your wife she will, she's made to respond to you. She's made to respond. She will respond accordingly, not perfectly, and you won't lead perfectly. But we extend grace to one another in those areas, just like Christ extends grace to us. And so let's, let's open this up. Let's look at what God's word says in relation to our responsibility before God. We are in function. We are accountable in a different way. We are to lead You are to lead. You're the leader, man. You're the leader. You're the one who walks the wall. You stand in the gap. You're you're this guy. You're the leader. Like Christ is the head of the church. You don't ever see a body that is living without a head. No. And Christ, the same way, is the head of the church. And the church, as we're going to learn, is to walk in submission to who? The Lord Jesus Christ. But Christ, we know, is the perfect head. And everything he does is perfect love. He's perfectly righteous, holy. Everything he does for us and all the ways in which he leads us is perfect. And so I don't want you to be hung up. Maybe you're saying, well, you know what, John? You don't know my situation. My wife is so headstrong, and she will not not get in, in alignment with me. Hold on. Before you point your finger at your wife, do an assessment Are you, sir, are you walking in subjection to Christ? You are the one that needs to evaluate that. You must do that. And it doesn't matter what your wife does at this point. You're accountable to God for how you walk in subjection to Christ and how you lead. And the only way you're going to be able to lead this thing to be something that will endure is if you lead by learning the essence and the significance of following Christ. That's why I always say, if you want to be a great leader, you must learn how to follow. You've got to learn how to follow Christ if you're going to lead your wife and you're going to lead your family. Okay? So let's learn what this means. We learned last week what headship is. Let's learn this week what headship does. We know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every wife is her husband, and that the head of Christ is God. We already learned about that. Um, that Christ is our head, and he has set for us an example of his submission. He's, he's set an example for us, guys, on his submission to his head, who is God the Father. And we are to follow Christ's example of what it means to follow and to obey and walk in obedience to the head of God the Father. We're to walk the same way in obedience to Christ, who is our head. Husbands, we are to set an example of this type of submission to Christ in walking in subjection to him, we are to first set this example for our wife and for our family. So your wife, she'll watch how you walk in subjection to Christ. You're teaching. You're leading by example. That's what you're doing. And we know that this is how God has met, set this up to function and to work within the Christian home. This is how it works. So, there's an aligning that must take place. God, the Father, he is head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. 
Man is the head of his wife. And then we have the children who fall underneath that. And so our children are to walk in subjection to, the, to our authority as men. We're setting an example for them. We're leading by following Christ. And we what? We'll expect our children to walk in obedience to us as well. Um, as we're learning from how we walk in obedience to Christ. And that's what we should do. So don't be upset today. If you look at things and say, well, they're just not. Listen, get yourself in alignment. Get in alignment first. And then watch God work these things out within your family. God won't be mocked, man. You work the word of God out in your life. God's not mocked. When his word says something, it means what it says, and it does what it says it will do. Apply the truth of God's word, and you will be like a man who builds his house upon the rock, the foundation. Guaranteed. No ifs, no ands, no buts. This is the absolute truth. So let's look at what headship does. We already know that our wives before God are accountable to walk in submission to us as the head of the family and of the wife. We know what that means because we're doing it in our life, walking in subjection to Christ. Now let's get into this role of what headship does because this is very, very important as we're going to learn what it is. The first thing we read here in Ephesians chapter 5, we want to pick up in verse 25. We want to focus on this, okay? Here it is, number one, guys. Here it is. We're going to see the example that Christ has set for us. There's a profound mystery here that Paul is teaching, and there is a spiritual truth, and we're seeing this played out in a physical reality. We're seeing the two walking side by side, Christ and his church, the husband and wife in their marriage. These together are a profound mystery, Paul says. And let me just say this, guys, it's a mystery. Marriage in itself can be a mysterious thing, can it not? <laughs> it just can be. And so we must have God's word, which will teach us how we are to navigate marriage, to navigate fatherhood, to navigate manhood. We need the word of God because it is truth, and he designed it all, and he's given us his word. So we must know what the word of God teaches in relation to how we apply these things to our life so that we can be men of God who live God's way, and we live it all for God's glory. We want to be those men. And so here's the first thing. Husbands. Paul's giving this command now from God to husbands. He already, he already shared about the wife. All right? Wives, be in subjection to your husbands as if unto the Lord. Right? That's what the wives are supposed to do. But we're walking in subjection first to Christ, and we're leading by example, and we are accountable to God. And you, sir, are the leader. You are the leader, and you are needed desperately within your family. You're needed so bad, so desperately. Society, you just look around. It's a result of fatherless homes and even men who are Christian men who do not simply know nor apply these basic truths to their wife and to their marriage and to their family and to their life. This is so important that we get this. All right, moving on. Husbands, love your wives. And here's the way. This is the standard. Love your wife as... Christ loved the church. Most men in our society think that women are there for their gain and their, their, their need. Their need. Fulfill my need, man. Fulfill my need. Fulfill my need sexually. Fulfill my need financially. Fulfill my, fulfill my, my need uh, of, of, my, of my pride and my arrogance. And, you know, it's all about buckles, bunnies, and bucks and all this kind of stuff. That's the world's view. That's not how Christ set the example for you and I. And that's why that system does not work. That's why it is broken. That's why it is a complete and total wreck. That's why, because it's not what God designed, nor will it work. It won't work that way whatsoever. Here's how it works. We as men 
under God, in Christ, redeemed by Christ's blood, by faith in Christ. We have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We've been made new creations. We are now in a kingdom, under a king, and citizens of that kingdom who are heirs of the kingdom. We, we are. We, we're, this is incredible. We've been brought from the kingdom of darkness, which is this world. We are not going to get the way in which we are love our wife, lead our families, set the standards in our families. We could care less what the world tells us. We have a standard. We raise it up, guys. This is the standard right here. We, this is our standard. Raise the standard up and live by it, and you will be blessed immensely because of it. You will be, okay? So this is so important that you get this, guys. The way in which we love our wives, it's not the way the world says we love. Because I, guys, I've, I've counseled hundreds of couples. I'm a pastor also, okay? I've been a pastor for almost 20 years. I've counseled so many marriages. It's, it's incredible. And it's not hard to fix the problem. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting people to get rid of their pride walk in obedience to the word of God, and apply it to their life. It's, this is very simple about how we do this. And you can fix this in short order. It's not hard. You don't need years of counseling, all right? You don't need to pay somebody 100 bucks every one of your visits, and they keep you trickling along there for three or four years. No, if they can't help you in two or three visits, you need to leave. It's, 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 it's not something you, the word of God, the Holy Spirit's our counselor. He is our counselor. That's who we go to, the Word of God. And if you apply these truths, they won't might work. They will work. Guaranteed they'll work because the Word of God, it is truth. It is truth. Here we go. We love them not lustfully like the world does. It's all about what it does for me. And that's why these marriages don't last because it only lasts as long as the lust lasts or the luster lasts or until their, their needs are no longer really met by the opposite party, then they're gone and done with that thing. No, we're learning this is all about how Christ demonstrated this love toward us. This is incredible. This love is a sacrificial love. If you will make your wife the object of your love... In a sacrificial way, it'll transform your marriage. And this is the example that Christ has set for us, guys, that we are to love our wives like what? Like Christ loves the church. And how did he demonstrate his love for the church? Paul goes on and says this, and he gave himself up for her. Now, I know, mind blow, I know, because the culture has told you all your life that your wife is to bring you slippers, your pipe, bring you the, the food at your recliner, you bark out orders, and you know, you know, society has made a total debacle of what it means to be a man. We have a society full of bulked up males. Guys who think it's all about how prestigious they are, how much money they have, how much clout they have, and authority they have, and they're a bunch of males. It's all they are. If you can't love like Christ loved, that do you want to talk about a man? This is what it means to love sacrificially. You know what? We're to love our wives in a sacrificial way. Christ loved us and poured out his love toward us. And that while we were even still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a self-sacrificing love. It's an agape love. It's an agape love that is directed at something, and the love is given in spite of what's reciprocated. In other words, he's not loving us because we loved him first. No, this kind of love is self-sacrificing. In other words, if you make your wife an object of your love that you focus on loving her, and you do it in a sacrificial way. In other words, you love her in a way that, that, that just incredibly makes her feel loved, number one, that she knows that she's loved. It's demonstrated, and you do it through sacrifice. Think about this, guys, just, just basics. How did Christ demonstrate his love for you? Was it because you loved him first? No, no. He chose to set his affection on you, an object of his mercy. Same way with our wives. And then to demonstrate his love for us, he gave his life for 
you. There is no greater example of sacrificial love than to lay down one's life for another. Men, this is how it's supposed to be. You and I, as God's men living God's way for God's glory under the headship of Christ, leading our wife and our children, building our house upon the word of God and the foundation, the rock Christ Jesus, a marriage that will endure, a family that will endure, we are men called by God to love our wives the same way in which Christ loved you and loved me in the way that he demonstrated that through sacrifice. He laid his life down. Now, I know the world's got a whole different view of how you're to love a woman. But this is how Christ says we are to love our wives. This is it. Make her the object of your love and your affection. So Christ willingly and sacrificially gave himself for the church. That's how Christ demonstrated his love for us. We as husbands are to willingly and sacrificially give ourselves for our wives and our families. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. You guys may, you may not believe this. Any man who loves his wife like this, following Christ, giving himself an example before his wife of a true leader, following Christ, anyone who loves his wife like Christ loves the church, you will find a woman who reciprocates submission and subjection to you and the way in which she responds and loves you. Guaranteed. Not only did he do this in demonstration, loving us through sacrifice, there's a reason for it. And listen to what Christ has done for us as the body of Christ, that he might sanctify, having cleansed, talking about the bride, sanctified her, cleansed her by what? The washing with water, of water with the word, with the word. We are also men not only to love our lives in a sacrificial manner, in demonstration that she's an object of our love, in following the example of Christ for us, the bride of Christ, the church, there's a reason that Christ did this. In order that we would be sanctified, that we would what? Become more and more like Christ. Not only that, that we would be cleansed and we're cleansed through what? The word of God. So men, this next thing moves from what Christ has done in order to demonstrate love, which is what we're to do. Now there's a purpose for that love and what is happening. And we're going to do this as well. There's a spiritual leading element here of cleansing and sanctifying and washing with the word of God. Christ-likeness. Christ desires a bride that is pure. You and I weren't pure when Christ came to us. But now he is what? Through the demonstration of his love and the washing of the word and the way in which he is loving us and the grace he's displaying and the leading in the way that he directs our life and the word which protects, guides, and teaches us in our life. All of these elements are for the purpose that we would become what? Sanctified, that we would become what? Cleansed, and that we would be washed by the word. We want to do that for our wives. She is your wife is so valuable. She's so radiant. She's glorious. She's a gift from God. And the way in which we love her and demonstrate that love and lead her in Christ-likeness, the purpose is that she, 
in following our example and being loved by the example that we have been loved in Christ, demonstrated through the way we love her, that she would become more like Christ, that she would grow in her purity in Christ and her knowledge of Christ, and that she would be that before God, simply by the way in which we demonstrate that love that we've received from Christ in loving our wives as well. That's an incredible thing. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. Listen, there's no such thing as a perfect husband or a perfect wife. Your wife has things in her life that have made her who she is. She may have come from some very, very, very difficult things in life that she's had to overcome. She's, she's got marks. She's got blemishes. She's got spots just like you do. But after she's been with you, she should be better after years of being loved by you than she is when she first came to know you. Does that make sense? She should be she should, she should be moved along in a very positive manner, oh, even better than she, she ought to be better now than she was when she came to you. <laughs> when you first fell in love with her, you overlooked all those blemishes, all those spots, just like she did you. And so what you do is, is you're going to love her through all that. You're going to love her in spite of all of those things because you choose to love her. Why? Because you love her. But she should be not not beat down more after being married to you. She should be what? She should be elevated and raised up out of those things by the way in which you have loved her because you've loved her like Christ loves you. Christ takes me from where I am in sin, covered in sin, guilty before him. And what does he do? He demonstrates a love toward us, sets his affection on us, chooses us to be the bride. And then what does he do? By the way in which he loves us, the word of God, the righteousness that we receive from him, we're not worse off after knowing Christ. It gets better and better and better. We don't digress. We we increase because that's the goodness of God and the love of Christ in us and through us by the Holy Spirit working and sanctifying and making us more like Christ into the image. He's fashioning us. And this is the way in which we must love our wives and lead our lives, our wives spiritually. We are called to be the sacrificial love giver. We are called by God to do it like Christ, and we are to be the spiritual leader and mentor and director. And not only that, that's all tied through love. Every aspect of it is. And then the whole thing to make holy and all of that means to be set apart. God set us apart for himself as holy, as blameless, as all of those things. Christ does not, uh, he's constantly um, growing me. He's, he's challenging me. He points things out uh, in, in a loving manner, and then he, he shows me how to get past those things and and he sets parameters of love and protection and he does all these things in my life and we as men should demonstrate this kind of love for our wives like Christ has done for you and me the body of Christ the church we the church as the bride of Christ that we would reflect more and more by how we live how we believe how we think by how we act that we would reflect Christ who reflects the exact image of his head who is God the Father. So we really as men should be loving our wives in such a manner that that kind of love would be the kind of love that we receive from Christ and how he loves us. Aren't you glad that we are loved by God differently than by the way in which we love others? But yet as husbands, we're to love our wives in that same way. And then moving on here, Likewise, um, in verse 28, we are to supply the needs of our wives. And so 
we can ask this question, does Christ supply our needs? Yes, he does. He has provided everything that we need. Always has, always will. And so we are to be the provider also here as part of our role. But provision is more than money, houses. Provision is a lot of things. We are to be those who provide for our wife and for our family. Listen to what it says in verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. We as God's men are called to love our, li- our wives in a sacrificial way. We should be loving them in such a way that they're, they're more valuable, radiant, loved, and they're, they're, they have progressed and bloomed and flourished under our love as they live with us. And also that we would provide for them, provision for them the way in which we, we, we supply their needs. And it's not just money, guys. There's a lot of men who can provide financially well for their families but can neglect virtually every single thing that matters. And so that's not all we're speaking about here. Some of you say, well, I, maybe I should just... Listen, your wife wants your love. Your wife wants to be radiant your wife wants to be cherished. Your wife wants to be the object of your affection. Your wife wants to know by how you love her that she means all of that to you. And you can do that by God's grace as you simply walk and experience the love of Christ, your head, in the way that he loves you, offers grace to you, extends mercy to you as You're not worse now that you've known Christ. In fact, the opposite is true. You are flourishing in Christ. In the same way our wives should flourish under our headship and our love. Now listen, we don't do this perfectly. That's why wives must extend to their husbands grace. That's why husbands must extend to their wives grace. But our desire is to do this for our wives. Finally, in verse 28, we're going to read this. In the same way, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. So we're talking about provision. We know that Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is it. Whatever it takes for her to fulfill her in life, what God created for her, what God created her for, excuse me, we should do all we can do to provide all she needs to accomplish these things before God. In other words, my life's not solely about me. When my wife and I, 30 years ago, got married, there was no longer John Riggs, and there was no longer Cheryl Pharaoh. The two of us, the Bible says, became one flesh. That's why a husband leaves his father and mother. He's no longer under the authority of his father. He steps out under the umbrella. He's joined to his wife in the forming of a family. And what the Bible says, the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. The reality is, guys, you'll never be more blessed (laughs) than when you love your your wife like Christ loves you. When you demonstrate this by the way you live, make her the object of your love and affection, of your attention. Make her that. And I guarantee you, you'll be blessed, man. 100% you'll be blessed. That's why I tell people, listen, they come in for marriage counseling. They've been married a few years. And for some of them, I've even done pre-marriage counseling for them. And here they are a few few years later. I mean, when they're in pre-marriage counseling, I mean, they're, they're just like, it's like a soap opera here sitting in front of me. I mean, just they're just so kind and batting their eyes at one another, and they're just in love with one another. You know, it just, it's, just, it's almost, you know, it's, it's sickening, really, it, but it's, it's pretty, it's beautiful, right? And then a few years later, they come in my office, and I mean, it's like you couldn't, it's almost like hatred. I mean, there's just aversion, aversion to one another. You say, what in the world happened? 
well, we didn't apply the word of God, number one, but we can fix this thing. We can fix it. It's not hard to fix your marriage. It's hard to do what God says to do, but it's not hard to fix your marriage. And if you're out there today and you're struggling with your marriage and maybe you're watching this and you're saying, John, in my mind, I'm already done. Or my wife, she told me she's done. Listen, there's a lot of people that have been where you are. The good news is, though, it can be fixed. And you can have that incredible love for one another that you think is lost and gone forever. It's not. But you have to both get back to doing what God's word says. And I'm going to put it on your shoulders, sir. You are the leader. And it, you got to own it. You've got to own it. Start applying these truths right here to your marriage today. And you will see a dramatic change. Guaranteed. I can promise you that. I can promise you that. Finally, in verse 30, because we are members of his body, speaking of the body of Christ, therefore a man, think about this, we're members of the body of Christ. We are one flesh with Christ. Do you understand that? Your wife is one flesh with you. It's as if she's part of your body. When you go back to Genesis, listen, I know this is getting long. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize about that. When you go back to Genesis and there's Adam and God says it wasn't good for man to be alone. So what do you do? He put Adam asleep and he's making for Adam now a suitable helper, a help meet. Listen to what this, this is incredible. Now, it says that God, what? Put Adam asleep and he took a rib from Adam and he fashioned for himself a woman from Adam. Listen, the word rib there can mean more than one thing, actually, in the Hebrew. It could be side, part of, half, whatever. God, that's why you think about what Adam said. She's flesh of my flesh, and she's bone of my bone. Not just a rib. No, God took something out of Adam that once was in Adam. And in order for Adam to ever be fully complete ever again, what did he do? He, he took something out of Adam, fashioned for himself a woman. Beautiful, incredible gift that God gave Adam. And listen, the two now, when they come together in the union of marriage, they are one flesh again. Just like the body of Christ we are the body of Christ. We are one with Christ. The same way in our marriages, we as husbands or wives, we are one. And when you fight against your wife and the enemy wants to come and divide the two, listen, no, you're one flesh. When you fight, when you, when you argue, when you say hurtful things, when, you, when you're disrespectful, it's as if you're doing it to yourself. You can't win. And then he's going to talk about how we love our own bodies. Well, man, even, even just simple men know this. We love our own bodies, right? Well, we are one flesh. Husband and wife coming together. The two now are one flesh. That's why divorce is so painful and why God hates divorce so much. There's many reasons for it. But the two people, you can never be the same again. Once you've been married and joined in the union of marriage, it's at a very deep level, spiritually deep when you pull the two apart and divorce, you're never the same again. You can't be. Because it took one thing and you pulled it apart. That's the reality here. And that's what we're learning here. Christ makes it very, very clear. We're members of his body, the husband and the wife. We're one flesh. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And listen to what Paul says. This is a profound mystery that I am saying, but it refers to Christ and his church talking about marriage. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, guys, very, very simply put, these are ways in which we are to love our wives. I can guarantee you, man, you, God will never be mocked. I've learned this 
God won't be mocked. If you want a marriage that will endure, apply these truths to your marriage and you will be a blessed man. If you're a, if, if you're a father here, you start with the foundation of being under the headship of Christ, being the head and lead of your family, operating and loving and leading like Christ over your family, setting parameters and discipline and all of those things, and you, sir, will have a family that endures. And you'll be like a man who has built his house upon the rock. And when the rains come and the floods come, and the winds beat against your house, your house will stand because you built it on the rock. Guys, I hope that this will encourage you today. Apply these truths to your marriage, and it will transform your marriage, and you will be forever blessed, guaranteed. Be quick to admit when you're wrong, and very quick, to forgive. If, if, if you're really struggling and maybe you haven't done this, you've neglected this in your marriage, here's a couple things. Number one, repent before God. Confess that sin. Get yourself back in alignment under Christ. Walk in obedience to Christ. Number two, go to your precious wife. Confess that sin to your wife. Ask for her forgiveness, and you, sir, will be blessed, and so will she and your family. I want to encourage you guys to stay gritty and uh, take that memory verse this week, put it on the dash of your truck, memorize that, apply these truths to your life, and you can be men who have marriages and family that endures in a world where marriage is in great distress. It's also pointing to a beautiful picture of Christ and the bride of which we are part of. Guys, God bless you all. Thank you for watching today. I apologize for how long it was. I hope that this will be a blessing to you, and I pray that you will you'll use these things in your life and whether you're married or not married or whether, or whether you're seeking to be married, man, if you apply these truths, your lives will be forever blessed. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on the Gritty Podcast. Take care. We'll see you soon.